should we fear death? Why do we fear death? And is there anything we can do about it? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, and... Yes, I forgot what it was for a minute. Insufferable (laughs) immortal. And with me, as always, is my exasperatingly eternal co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and... um, um, Immortal. Wait, did you already do I that I already one? did that. Oh. <laughs> you don't even list. Do you listen then to I am anymore? a sufferable. I am a sufferable mortal. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll we'll see the audience if what, what, what they think of that one. Still um, yours and one up to. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> anyway, well, today, if we ever get to our episode, we are starting over spooky season at the Overthinkers, since it is October. And we are starting with a discussion of whether or not we should fear death. Do you fear death? But first, Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion and want to hear, see more and hear more and engage with fellow overthinkers, where can they go? They can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail. Mm. They can also join the Overthinkers online private Facebook group called the Overthinkers on Facebook, where you can meet other overthinkers like yourself talking about all the fun stuff we do here and sharing way too many memes. Uh, (laughs) You can also, if you enjoy the podcast, leave a review and share with a friend. And I'm also going to use this podcast because i hosted <laughs> to plug a new movie i just had come out you can watch it on tubi and there's gonna be it's gonna be up on youtube for free. and it's called don't know jack and it's literally about um this kind of the thing we're talking about today is mental illness and hope and faith and ultimately death and and what that means for different people and it's my first movie i'm releasing after i wrote an article about <laughs> <laughs> not doing any more yeah. christian films and so it's it's not one for the kids but it is one that deals with faith and humanity and um and a w- little more raw and gritty material so please check it out don't know jack it's on Tubi. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be on Amazon, all the places. So check it out and uh, let me know how much you love it. If you hate it, don't, don't worry me. <laughs> I'm very sensitive. It's like only five star reviews. Just yes. Otherwise, don't Speaking bother. Speaking of reviews, <laughs> oh. we have 99 reviews. And I'm beginning to think all of you are conspiring just to make me not sleep and just wake up and be angry every day it's uh, really bothering it's, yeah, we are so close to 100 just one of you i will i can die a happy man no pun intended uh if we just get one more review that nice round 100 so please but I, but if it gets to 101 i don't know what i'll do <laughs> well then it just has to go to 150 true true <laughs> or 1000 yeah there you go. Oh, guys you really need to get so we need one more. more or 999 more well that seems reasonable enough <laughs> cool let's go let's try for one at first guys <laughs> all right uh well in that case uh anything else no let's let's Move on. Sounds We're good. barreling towards death, so we should qu- quickly do this episode. <laughs> oh, nice. Man, you just are really good with the entendres today. It's true what they say. Those who burn brightest burn fastest. Um, all right, then. We'll get started. So, the fear of death has been around about as long as there has been recorded human history. One of the earliest myths we have, the Epic of Gilgamesh, is about a human traveling the globe to figure out how to avoid dying. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. 
Uh, Ernest Becker, founder of the Terror Management School Theory School of Thought, which informs most modern schools of thought around philosophy of death, argued that all human endeavor, whether it be sex, civilization, religion, or storytelling, was ultimately a way for us to hide from ourselves the inevitability of death. The fact is, most people, unless life becomes unbearable, like life and don't want it to end and find it unbearable that it inevitably will. Death anxiety, as is known in psychology, has realized negative effects on people. The more a person fears death, the more likely a person is to be anxious and depressed, and more likely they are to be cruel and prejudiced toward others. Throughout human history, various philosophies and religions have their, posed their own answers to the problem. The Stoics and the Buddhists argued that the answer was to accept the reality of death and kill your desire to live forever. Christians declared that you could avoid death by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and therefore being eligible for a resurrection. And yet, despite these answers, the fear of death still persists. And according to Psychology Today piece, Why We Fear Death and How to Overcome It, people of religious belief have little difference in their relative fears of death than people who do not. Mm. Nathan, when did you first know that you were going to die? Why do people fear death when it is an inevitable fact of life? And what has been the way that you've been best able to reconcile yourself to that reality? Oh, man. I remember um, I told my parents that my favorite song, I heard the song played at a live you know, event where there was people doing covers of stuff. And I told my parents that my very favorite song in the whole world, I got obsessed with it, was Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. And mm. this song is filled with sad people who die. And my parents became very worried because I was about <laughs> nine years old and they're going, why is our kid obsessed with a song about death? Um, but all that to say, death has always been something for really as long as I can remember. I think I was interested in death maybe before the average person was. I could be due to my mental illness. I could be due to my obsessive brain, whatever it might be. But death fascinated me, not necessarily scared me. Of course, there were times when I was a kid when I have freak out and oh my gosh wait this is all going to end i'm not always going to be here you know that that uh interaction you have with reality about your mortality and um but ultimately it was something that was interesting to me mm. uh, the whole process that we are living here for a particular amount of time and that all of us will die even today you know i live in new york city and we're surrounded by people the other day i was at a premiere and just thousands of people were all watching this movie and people are dressed up and there's movie stars and you walk out on the streets afterwards and the streets are covered with people all going about doing their business and i had this realization this is a realization i have often but this mm -hmm. is just recently this most recent time i had it which is i looked around and i said there will be a day in the future when no one here around me will be alive Everyone alive will will eventually someday not be here. And that, to me, has always been a fascinating thing. But for a lot of people, as you point out, this is a very scary thing. And it is for me, too. I, I face my mortality as well. I'm not <clears throat> excluding myself from that. But I, I also think it's interesting. And I think maybe part of the reason, um, the, the, part of the reason I don't fear it quite as much as I've seen other pe people fear it is because I find it interesting. I actually want to investigate it, mm -hmm. almost like a scientist looking at something separate from me. Um, it, so this is something I think that's so interesting because it's so applicable to everyone. Right. Um, because death is something that will happen to all of us. And right. it's something that none of us can describe, uh, what it's like because none of us have experienced it. Yes, there are people who have died for a few minutes, but I'm talking about death in the eternal sense. Yeah. No one that you know or speak to has ever died. And everyone you will ever speak to or know or see will die. So it's this weird unifying factor between yeah. like 
you know, you have um, groups that hate each other. And the one common thread that both of them have is that they will both die. Someday. Yeah. And so it's this weirdly unifying human thing that is also incredibly mysterious. And if you look at a lot of the religions or powers or whatever it be, most of them are trying at some level to have control over or explain death. But the reality is none of us know. And so that's why it's so interesting to me. And then one last point is, as I was getting my blesses and curses ready for this, I'm going through the, the art and movies and books that deal with death. And what I suddenly realized, it was hard coming up with them, not because there wasn't enough, but because almost every single piece of art mm. ever made, most, deals in some way, shape, or form with death. So this is a pervasive theme within hum humanity, and it's something we can all uh, connect on our, our both our involvement someday with it hmm. and our total illiteracy on what it actually is. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting point. I mean, Shakespeare described, and Hamlet described um, death as the undiscovered country that yeah. nobody, uh, nobody's ever been to and nobody ever returns from. Um, and you also talked about the fact that it's interesting because, you know, we don't know anything about it. Like Freud said, like it, there, in some ways you, you can't, he didn't think actually anybody actually feared death because hmm. we couldn't imagine it. It was not a thing we could imagine. So what we're, you know, but, you know, it was, um, was like Ernst Becker, I think, who wrote Denial of Death. He was like, well, we, we, what we fear is not being able to do any of this anymore. Mm. Like there's, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because we're not, we're not even just like, oh, we won't get to, you know, like be alive. It's like, we, there won't wow. be an us to perceive or to regret or to wow. wonder. Like there, our whole experience of life is mediated by our perception of it. And there won't be a perceiver anymore. And if there's anything we love about life, if there's anything we love about existence, that's gone if we're, for us, if we're not there. Um, and that's, you know, it's interesting for me growing up, um, <clears throat> I, I don't remember being as a child, being scared of death when I heard about it. And part of that is sort of the uh, factors of, you know, little children tend not to be scared of death as much because, you know, it's just so far off. So there's the far off aspect of it. But then there's the other aspect of it, obviously, is that, you know, because I was raised a Christian, it was like, okay, well, it's really far off. And then you know, I'll be resurrected, you know, at the, you know, new, uh, new heavens and new earth anyway. So it's like, it's, it's, it took away a lot of its sting. What I do remember is first time being scared of death was in my teenage years when I started, you know, uh, growing into, to, uh, starting to become potentially an atheist. And it was like, it was like, okay. <gasps> what oh my God. Yeah. Is it right? <laughs> where, what? Where yeah, I know. Oh, no. It happens. To <laughs> it happens to people when they become teenagers sometimes. <laughs> Struggles with faith and phase. all that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You'll get out of it. <laughs> um, we love you, Mattis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have, I have comments on that. Um, uh, but um, anyway, regardless, uh, I, I was, I was saying, oh, okay. Then I faced the, the idea of, again, the perceiver being gone, the me that's like that all of the emotions and perceptions and all of the existence for me, no longer being able, and not even just being dead as wow. in a ghost, but like, there's no longer an eye to perceive anything and to enjoy or suffer anything. That was a terrifying thought to me. And again, it's, or bring, brings credence to the idea that, you know, Ernst Becker and others talk about the terror management theory. It's like the reason people invent, you know, 
religions, people invent, you know, arts, people make things is so that they can have, you know, that the way they have children is so they can have some part of themselves mm. that lives on afterwards. Desire like, for the eternal. Desires for eternal. And well, that's the interesting thing to me about death is the fact that everyone is going to die. And yet, you know, the vast majority of people don't want to die. The vast majority of people do not want the thing that is, you know, evolutionarily just, you know, a part of life. And um, I think that the the thing that I think is, so, so yes, so I think that that's one thing that is always a part that we always wrestle with is we yeah. always, we all want eternity. You know, even if we sometimes say, you know, the pain is too much, I'd rather have something else. I'd rather have die than have this pain. The, all of us want eternity and yet none of us get it. And so that's our Ernest Becker's denial of death thing where it, it's like, you know, that's what explains human beings civilization and procreation and arts and religion is that being in that dichotomy. And I think that, you know, he talks, has a lot of interesting things, but I think that where he goes wrong sort of is saying that because that, that it's a delusion, that our desire for eternity. And I guess mm. we'll sort of go there is, yeah. is, is that, um, you know, I'm obviously I'm a Christian. So I think that, you know, eternity is where we were meant, what we're meant to do and where we're meant to go, but also, and this was, um, oh, what was it? A Dr. Carl Rutledge talked about this where he was like, well, there is this thing where, you know, this, our civilization didn't just prevent us from, you know, from, did cause us to deny death. It also did prevent us from dying. Like, mm. you know, when you build, you know, buildings and you build, um, you know, uh, hospitals, it does actually extend your life. And so one of the things that I, I think is interesting is that, you know, we ask, what, should we fear death? And the answer to me is like, yes, you should fear death insofar as it keeps you alive or insofar as it's, you know, um, oh, unless there's something more important. So like, you know, you have, you know, you can, you can, the reason we have the survival instincts, have the fear instinct, the reason it's so strong, like the, our fear instinct is even more stronger than our pleasure instinct is because that actually keeps us alive. Fear can be a friend who fights by your side, making your reflexes quicker, senses sharper. And I think that- You're made to want to live. Right. And so, you know, the problem comes if you, A, um, are, are do something, you know, is that if, if it, like, if you fear it so much that it actually isn't useful anymore, it's and not- It affects your actual living self. It's, exactly, it affects your actual living self. It's sort of like the overthinkers, we talked about the overthinkers episode and the, um, the um, thinking or feeling episode. There comes a time when you can think so much that you're not actually solving the problem anymore. Yeah. But- I think that both, you know, self-preservation and then also the idea of searching for in religion, I think those are both not just denials of death, those are actual attempts to, that are actually effective and actually helping you live. And so I think that, that those are actually can be positive things. Yeah, I, all of that was amazing. So I wanna to touch on a few things sure. um, that really stuck out to me. The first being that, you know, when we talk about death, we, we need to define, I guess, kind of what it means sure. in people's minds and you, very aptly pointed out that death ultimately to most people means not existing. Right. And, you know, to the Christian, we have this hope or, or to the religious, we have this hope that life will continue, that eternity exists, but there's still that unknowing, that fear, right. like you pointed out that that Christian or atheist or religious or non still have about the same rates of fear of death because we don't know. We, right. At the end of the day, we don't know. We believe, but we don't know. And the biggest fear that around is around that you pointed out is not existing. 
because let's say you're you're an atheist i assume that there are plenty of atheists out there i'm sure you can find studies that are just as scared of death as the religious um but if you think about it logically why would you be scared of non-existent it doesn't hurt there's nothing to worry about you just wouldn't exist you wouldn't know and i've heard people try to articulate well that's why i don't worry about it but it seems like they had to do a lot of work to get to that quote not worry and but the worry is not existing and not existing doesn't feel natural and like you pointed out there's this intrinsic desire to continue to exist yeah that that death is it seems wrong that we are alive we think we react we we have self uh, awareness and that is something that's there's something built into our minds that says this should continue right this is not something that should stop and this is why we are sad when someone dies and we say things like they're in a better place or you know their pain is gone yeah but really the reason we're sad is because we believe that they should continue right. that life, those thoughts, that, that personality should not, not be here. And so when people are scared of death, it's not, you know, they're being scared of dying is one thing, you know, right. that painful or whatever that might be, but that's still part of living. But the actual crossing over is what people are actually scared of, which is the unknown. They call it into the unknown, which is, I don't want to not exist. And yeah. as we would, because we are people of men of faith, we, we believe that that desire to continue existing was put there on purpose. That it's not, uh, as you always say, yeah. it's, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that this is something to indicate to you that there is a reality of an eternity. And we did a whole other episode on the afterlife and what right. uh, heaven is and why this is a good thing and heaven is going to be amazing and interesting and, and all the things we love here will be there. But... But th- that's the one interesting thing. Uh, well, that, that's interesting. I mean, they sort of between the, the the religious and the atheist. What's interesting is like the the uh, what you call it. The the atheist sort of says, okay, that desire that eternity is. Both the atheist and the religious believe that the eternity is stamped on people's hearts. Like everyone wants to live forever. Um, they everyone would agree. What the atheist believes is that's a delusion or a bug. And we believe it's innate and evidence. Yes, exactly. C.S. Lewis you know, made the argument in, in um, oh, uh, you have to say this for, quote. Exactly. In um, Surprised by Joy, he says, if you know, I I I I desire water, therefore there's such a thing. I desire I'm thirsty, therefore there's such a thing as water. I desire food, therefore there's such a thing as food. And if I have something in this world, desire for this world, nothing in this world can satisfy, it makes sense that there is I I meant for something that's not in this world. It's so, beyond this world. Beyond yeah. this world. So that, that so that's that's his argument. You can believe it or not, but that's his argument. Well, and he was famous for writing about death, for grappling with death. Right. And um, and but again, like I mentioned, death is a central theme in almost yeah. every art, every movie, even kids' movies, like the oh, book yeah. of life is about grappling with death. Yeah. And they actually did a study that was like, there's there's more death present in children's movies wow. than there is in adults movies, because you always have the parent who dies at the beginning of, of a child's movie or things like that. Long live the king. Yeah, there's a great book and I'm, I'm not gonna bless it because I have so many blesses, but <laughs> it's called When a Monster Calls and it's all mm. about a child learning how to conceptualize death. He has a sick mother and a monster arrives who looks very scary, but actually, it's something to help him work through the process of what it means to have someone die. But yeah, I mean, uh, I remember the last thing you said, that was the thing I wanted to comment on as well. Oh, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> um, what was it? Uh, we talked about- um, Three days later. Uh, what was it? Um, the, the atheist and the Christian, because I was responding to what you said. And then- Three weeks later. No, it was, it was in your first 
reaction. Oh, my first. It was really good, and I want to make sure we get back on that because it was a good, um, good track. Um, Many months later, we talked about the uh, need the. Um, so much later that the old editor got tired of waiting, and they had to hire a new one. Oh, I thought that um, that you can actually oh, prevent you from dying, like doing things that you prevent you from dying. The hospitals. Um, oh, and the yeah, fear, fear of and how it affects your life. Yes. Um, but to your point about how much effort people put into, I, I mean, the billions and billions of dollars industry to extend your life, to avoid, you know, even aging is a huge thing. We don't yes. want to age because aging is an indicator that you're closer to death. Uh, I, you know, I'm in my thirties and I'm putting on retinol cream because I don't want to have to face in the mirror a wrinkle that says, mm. Nathan, you're closer to death. And yes, you believe in an eternity, but there's still that chance you might not be right. And so it's amazing to me the lengths that people go to, to avoid even facing the idea that they will die. And so something that struck me recently is there is this very present, um, uh, we're gonna die someday, sure, yeah. uh, that, that exists in, in our consciousness. But I think, and I can only comment on this generation because it's really the only one I know, but there's also been an interesting thing where I think the reality of death has been pushed to our subconscious. Hmm. Now, this could have changed during COVID when we saw all around us, but we were so isolated. Very many of us weren't affected yeah. viscerally by it. You know, I knew I had distant relatives who died, but they were people I hadn't met in years and years and years and years. And it was away from me. I was in my little right. apartment. Yeah. And so, and even online, I see what th this new trend of people trying to joke about death yeah. and they talk about laughter and joking being a way to separate yourself from the reality right. of yeah. something and it's a coping mechanism right and so i think what we're trying to do is push death the reality of it to our yeah. subconscious because now we live in an age and every other age mostly and i'm talking every culture there has been some sort of religious um understanding that talks about eternity. It could oh, yeah, be yeah. Buddhism, and you you know you join the it, what reach Nirvana. Everything's fake, and so it's okay. It can be Hinduism, and it can be uh, Islam, and the you know the own heaven Mormonism. Almost every culture that history have had some conceptualization of eternity in heaven of continuing on. Yeah, you know e even in Eastern traditions, you have talking to your elders uh, through your through your generations that you can still access and talk to them. We have that. Yes. you know, in Christian and Catholics, we we, we talk about the the saints who still exist. Yeah, and we people. talk about you know our, our. There was the continuity between um, the past, present, and the future. Yes, and we are living in a weirdly untested kind of culture now. Yeah. I'm sure it's existed some places, but in the past 50 to 100 years, we've entered, there's always been non-believing, but I don't know it's been quite so prevalent. You know, there's a new study that came out a while ago that said in the next de few decades, Christianity is actually going to be the minority in the yeah. U.S. And that is unbelievable considering the history yeah. of, of how many people have always, the majority has always been yeah. believing in eternity. And so we're entering this kind of phase where not believing in eternity um, or, or at least in some sort of eternity, is the norm. going to be the norm. Yeah. And what does that look like for people who are living in this generation and don't have that? And I see it right now with millennials uh, and Gen Z and all this. And what they're doing is they're trying to conceptualize and distance themselves from the yeah, reality yeah. of death. And they even, you know, you'll see all the memes and stuff about, um, you know, it, it's jokes about suicide. Yeah. And um, and I'm I'm not even trying to call them out. I think what I see happening is a coping mechanism with the yeah. reality of death because nothing else well, in their lives is giving them a, a, a context to understand and give hope. And so that's an interesting thing I want to explore a little bit is yeah. this generation doesn't have 
a framework with which to understand the continuancy of the human soul. What do we do? Yeah, well, that's an excellent point. This is this is so. I was always I told you beforehand. It's like, oh, I've got data on this, yes. and I'm excited. So like, okay, good. so like this is so this is where I'm gonna. But you you hit on this, not having context, not having a story with which to put death in. Oh, and that's what we don't have. And one of the things you, I forget where I read this, but there was somebody who talked about, um, cause this has been happening for a while, just as a culture. One of the things that when um, people from someone from India moved to America, what he, what he described was he said in America, people don't die. They just disappear. Mm. And because it, where he was from, you know, when person died, you had like a kind of like a week of like rituals around that where the whole community would be involved in the uh, in the acknowledgement that this person has died and then the um, moving on to where they were going next. Communal process. It was a communal processing of that. And you see this people saying, you know, how they experience when somebody dies, they get angry. When someone they're close to dies, they get angry when they see the rest of the world just moving on as if nothing had changed. And, you know, mm. in, in other cultures, they have that, um, where they say the entire community is involved in the story of a person being born and then leaving and dying. Wow. And we don't actually have, because we're such an individual culture where the whole community doesn't get around anything, you know, unless maybe it's political, but like it, it, we, we don't, you know, these individuals that you're talking about don't have a story with which to put themselves uh, the context of death in. So again, while I was looking at the top, the death anxiety and what the rates were, you know, again, this is where one of the things I, I was talking about, you know, so the, with religion, it's interesting. The people who handle death the best are non-religious and extremely religious. Huh. The moderately religious um, handle it the worst. Wow. And, and the theory, of course, is that, you know, the, the non-religious have made their peace with it and the super-religious have, um, you know, made their peace with, really believe that they're going somewhere. Whereas the moderate religious have just enough religion to think about it too much. And to doubt it. And to doubt it, exactly. Um, and of course, you know, uh, uh, older people are more comfortable with death than younger people are, supposedly. Mm. And um, the, you know, and it's interesting, skydivers, this is a really interesting tidbit. Um, beginner skydivers and experienced skydivers are the most terrified of death. <laughs> really? Whereas the intermediates, are the are the least terrified of death? Wow! Which you know, and and so it's like people say, oh, is it is it being experienced with death that makes you less afraid of it? No, because the most experienced skydivers are the most. Wait, so you're scared because you don't have experience because you could die, you don't know anything, and, and you're not scared when you have a little experience. But you're scared again because you've seen death. Exactly, you've seen enough to know that it exists. <laughs> but um, what does seem to make the most difference? This is the thing that really made me excited because we talk about this all time on a podcast. People who say they have the most meaningful lives are the least scared of death. And, wow. Okay. And we've talked about this on the podcast, how, you know, there's a lot of philosophy about like what the meaning of meaning is, which just goes into meaning section is really, you know, fun rabbit hole if you want to go down on. But I don't. In, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but in practical terms, people who have the most meaning are the people who feel like their lives and their actions have a visible and lasting effect on the world around them. And so it's again, why people who are in jobs that they don't feel can, can't see the effect of their work anywhere, um, have burnout and feel like their lives are meaningless. It's why people who have children feel like their lives are more meaningful, even if they're less happy than people who don't have children. So this is probably bad news for an entire culture of individual isolated exactly. people 
who are working in places where they don't see the meaning of their work. Exactly. They're place. working in places where, you know, and, and uh, you know, working places where they never see the results of their work. They're working at a cubicle and, and marketing for, you know, products they're never going to use. Severance so, does this wonderfully. Severance, Severance is the perfect example of this. They're just punching in numbers and they have no idea where it's going. And so like they're working in jobs that don't create meaning. None of, nobody's getting married and having children, so they don't have meaning in that avenue. Nobody is, you know, there's- Friend groups are dying out. Friend groups are dying out, exactly. And, and religion is dying out. Again, religion was a way, a way this again, I keep bringing this up. The only group of people that did, whose mental health got better during the pandemic was people who went to regular in-person church services. Because again, they had continuity of story and narrative within and visible effects of that in the community that they were in. And so mm. the thing is, that's the people who, um, this is also, again, why um, people become like more racist when they fear death more, because it's like, I'm going to die. So at least I want something of me to live on. And also that survival mindset. Yeah. So like, so it's like my race is going to live on. Yeah. If I, even if I don't, my race is going to. Wow. And so the thing is that people are always saying, if you want to kick the fear of death, find ways to make your life feel more meaningful. And, you know, there are different ways to do that. But we have some good suggestions. We do, yes. <laughs> and they're all, you should love Jesus. <laughs> I said that in a funny voice, but I actually mean it. <laughs> but the thing is, I know Christians who don't, still don't feel like they have, mean, are living meaningful lives. Mm. They don't actually feel like their life has an impact, even if they don't. And so I think that that's, that's an important thing to note is that it's not just believing in Jesus or believing you will live forever that makes you fear not fear death. It's actually putting yourself in the story and then getting to work within that story yeah. and actually doing something that you can see, oh, I'm at work in this story. Well, and something I've noticed also, I just want to talk a little bit about the, okay, you know, we, we're exploring what will help if you are worried about right. that, if you are one of these people who is living in a society where we don't have a framework for understanding death and we're trying to separate ourselves away from. But I also want to point out what's interesting to me is more evidence that people today are, since they don't have a framework, are trying to conceptualize this understanding of death and how, and how to separate mm. themselves. I also understand it is, you know, we talk about this often about, but look at our shows and our art. Oh, yeah. And we have talked about this in the previous episodes. We, we have one on nihilism. And why it's, there's a rise of it. I can't remember if we talked about this specifically. It was like our third episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. So if you guys want the deep cut, you really head back. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I think another reason that nihilism is on the rise is because it's nihilism is an attempt to answer the there is nothing, death is meaningless, right. and how to live with that. Right. You know, Camus um, who is a famous existentialist and who are bringing out the existentialists. Oh, yeah, so I love, yeah. it. love it. I read him last year. He's all right. <laughs> you come, you don't at me. All right. He's fine. But uh, Camus is, is, is probably, I don't know. He's probably my favorite of the philosophers because he has a sense of, of the existentialist because he has a sense of humor. But well, yeah. And I think people categorize him on the under um, nihilist absurdist. Yes. Because he tried to, which is interesting find a a laughter in the, yeah. in the void with um, mixed results yeah with mixed, you know he was the one who said um i wake up in the morning and i have to decide oh, yes. if i want to kill myself or have a cup of coffee <laughs> thus far i keep on making coffee <laughs> and so you know he's trying again to find that laughter at the the fear of death which i 
commend and I understand, but I don't know if it's ultimately healthy or fulfilling. I don't think it will work. And you see this, like I said, all the time in our art, you know, beginning with maybe not beginning, but uh, popularized in our modern society by the existentialists and such. Yes. But you see it in art, like uh, uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah. Huge, huge cartoon. By the way, big fan. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. It's genius, all that. But the entire show is trying to basically say, man, death doesn't matter. And yet it still keeps on talking about it. Yeah. You can't <laughs> drop it. It's obsessed with trying to convince, you know, the guy who's like, I'm really, really cool. I'm really, really cool. Yeah. Guys, I'm so cool. You kind of go, I, I don't know if you're cool. Do you believe you're cool? Because <laughs> yeah. it seems like you're trying really hard to convince it's, you. It's the Julius Caesar, you know, Brutus is an honorable man. Just saying that over and over again. It's you like, think thou dost protest, protest too much. much. Yes. But it's, and, and I see, I think a lot of culture is protesting uh, too much. Death, yeah. Too much. It's, it doesn't, doesn't matter it's fine just live and don't don't think about death and i think that is a a natural response it totally makes sense in the context of living in a culture that says well we don't probably nothing happens and there's no god and yeah um and how do you deal with that but i think it will ultimately like you pointed out fail and that the only way i'm coming full circle to what you ended up saying which is ultimately um one if you want to in the immediate not fear it, find meaning in your life. And a lot of them will say that. You just have to find local meaning. Right. You have to make meaning out of the small stuff, even though, you know, ultimately it doesn't have a meaning, just make meaning out of the things. So they're on the right track, but I would say you have to make meaning in the context of eternity. And that's really the only way you'll ever find any comfort around death. And and I I know that sounds a little reductionist. You know, it sounds like, oh, there's one answer. Well, for some things there is one answer. (laughs) And I would point back to what we said at the beginning of the episode is you long to not be dead. Yeah. You long to not, not exist. And you can see that is just some evolutionary byproduct of, uh, you know, a lot of generations of not wanting to be dead and survive. Yeah. But I think a more realistic answer would be to ask yourself, why is that there? Why do I not want to yeah. not exist? And could this desire for the eternal actually mean there's an eternal and actually mean that um i was made to want it and yes i know we're totally biased we do not mind saying that we're biased um but but i do think i would encourage anyone who is fearful of death that fear is actually an indicator that it's not good that it's not normal it's not natural it's not something that you were made to want if you fear something it typically means there's something there to be investigated. Yeah. And so I'd investigate that desire to, to continue, to be eternal. Yeah. And just maybe that might mean you were made to be eternal. Um, and that might actually provide, if you actually investigate and engage with this question and you go down the street, you might actually just find that if there's a creator and if eternity was on his mind, that you might find yourself being able to live life with a little more um, hope, a, a little more yeah. peace, uh, to be honest, yeah, I wanted to be an atheist because it's cool. It was really cool on <laughs> the circles I ran into being an atheist. Oh, yeah. But I got to this place where, and maybe this is weak. Call me weak. I'm weak. That's fine. And maybe it maybe shows how biased I am, but I couldn't do it. I yeah. couldn't wake up and look at the world and say nothing means anything. Nothing matters. I'm just going to not exist someday. It changed my whole life. And maybe it's all a lie, but it's a lie that enhances me and gives me more peace. Yeah. Uh, every day I wake up and see that the world has meaning and, I, and I'm eternal and everything I do will have eternal ramifications. And that makes living worthwhile, makes my life better, and also makes death more um, uh, palatable, understandable, yeah, yeah. And, and less scary. 
Well, that's that, that's just that's so awesome, and I I agree with that. Um, I'll say you know this one of the things Dan Harmon who does who created Rick and Morty. One of the things he said is that you know if you expand outward, meaning doesn't exist. But meaning exists when you close your gaze onto individuals <laughs> and small, make it small. And that was an interesting thing. We we talked about this with with our friend Mattis on our, our atheist episodes, you should, which you should definitely watch. Is what was interesting is that we we discovered that like we both, you know, us the Christians and him the atheist believed in meaning and meaningful life. But for us, the the um story of meaning was bigger. It's like it was a longer time horizon. It's like endless, endless. Because yeah, meaning yeah. goes on for eternity. But for him, it's it's like you know, it's like we said, millennials with the housing market. It's like, well, you know, we're not going to be able to save up and afford a house anyway. So it's you know, renting it's, meaning. It's exactly yes, and so it's for the atheist, the meaning is um, is is narrower. It's a narrower time horizon for meaning. And the thing is, like Tim Keller pointed this out, which sort of gets back to the, you know, people who are more comfortable with death are are atheists and Christians. He pointed out in his conversations with atheists, he says, okay, like you know, how do you deal with this fact you're never going to exist anymore? It's like, you can't think about it too much, mm. is what he responds to again. And that's the thing is, you do it, you handle it by making the imagine the horizon of your imagination shorter. Wow. And the thing is, like, what is amazing for me as a, as a Christian is that I'm able to have my imagination be bigger and have a bigger time horizon and think about eternity, because that doesn't make me sad. Well, and in scripture, it literally has verses where it talks about our God. And I know it sounds mythological and crazy to some people out there, but it talks about our God having conquered death. And the yeah. image of our belief system, the ones we wear around our next one I have tattooed yeah. on my body, is huh. an instrument of death. And so if you, you want know, to see a people who have made their peace yeah. with death, if you want to see a philosophy, if you want to see a perspective that says, I can look death in the face and I can not be scared yeah i can look death in the face and know it's been conquered look i'm sorry i'm again biased but <laughs> look at christianity because it is a philosophy of people who wear literally death instruments around their necks yeah. because they are people who yeah. follow someone they believe we believe that has conquered death and we can look it in the face and say i don't yeah. where's your sting and it's death, it, where's your sting it's one where you can think more about it and be happy and not think less about it and be happy. And thinking more about it will actually make your life more meaningful. Exactly. Yes. Thinking more about death will make your life more meaningful within this context. Within this context. So yes. That's so, our suggestion, which did, is love Jesus. But at the very <laughs> least, you know, if at the very least, push back on this. If you disagree, explain why. Explain why this is not um, a better way to think about death. And, and we admit we're biased, you know, but we're you Everyone keep saying is. that you're biased, but I'm, I'm starting to suspect maybe we're not. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, by that I mean we are people who believe in eternity well, and, yes, a, yes, yes. and a transcendent creator who has right. conquered death. So yeah. this sounds crazy. It sounds like one of the reasons, I mean, yes. but it's it, the true myth. It, if, if, if you work better by believing something, it's probably true because the that's evidence because yeah because we're again if you you know if whether you believe in God or you believe in evolution, we don't adapt to things if it's not useful. And if it is useful to believe, um, if you work better when you believe you're in the context of a story that meaning is eternal, it's probably true. But that's our view. We welcome yours, as they say. Well, I half welcome yours. <laughs> <laughs> I welcome yours. He will, can, he will, he will read yours with with slight condescension. So go to the website, <laughs> theoverthinkersjournal.com, or jump on the Overthinkers group 
And just, you know, let us know how wrong we are. We're going to post this episode. We didn't mean to be so Christian this episode. <laughs> we are talking about death. death. Yeah. Yes. That's going to be somewhat relevant. <laughs> yes. It is. It is. It does strike me as funny. I heard a sermon once where someone was comparing, um, it was an instrument of uh, 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 capital punishment. Oh, yeah. The cross. Yes, yes. And he said, what crazy group of people would wear an electric chair around their necks or, you know, have it above their the, the altar at their wedding? Yeah. Just an electric chair. But that's who we are. We have looked death in the face. Yeah. And so I hope- We're giving that, death the finger. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, we're getting PG-13 <laughs> here. Yes. <laughs> we have some teenage boys who listen to our yeah. podcast. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Yes. Oh, man. So anyway, that's great. We hope um, that this encouraged you. And if not- Or sorry. at least gave you something to think about. Yeah. Um, anyway, we are on to blesses and curses. About death. Yes. About I have death. a few. You have a few. I'm only going to curse one thing. I could curse a lot. but I'm Yeah, there's a lot thing. of curse worthy things about death. All right. Well, I'll go first so you can then have the floor to go. Age before beauty. <laughs> no, you just, I, I, I say something nice and you just got to. You should have learned by now. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> All right. So my first thing I'm going to bless is I am going to bless, I, I referenced this earlier, but I'm going to bless surprise by joy by c.s lewis because i think it is- i should have gone first <laughs> ha, the real reason i went first no because it's um uh it does do a good job of sort of making that argument in both a a, a, a memoir and also poetic way about um it having needs and desires and those being signs for eternity i think it does if 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 that's going to resonate with you to kind of go through a person's story an individual person's story and their journey to that i highly recommend that um i also going to bless uh the movie uh the tree of life because oh pretentious yes got a malik film i have have to be pretentious once in a while (laughs) i can't have people think i only watch marvel movies um but it's no it's a it really does a good job of showing real people wrestling with death in the context of eternity and what eternity brings to the table um Mm. as a way of bringing that context um it's a good way to put it. If if uh and and where that ends up, I don't think there's a lot of movies that actually do a good job of giving people a picture of death. And it just so happens that Malik is both a renowned Oscar-winning director and happens to be a religious faithful yeah. Christian. Yeah. So that I think would inform his ability right. to speak about death. Now, if you if you guys if you think that the movie is like you know half hour too long, I might agree with you, but it's also <laughs> like there's nobody else that's doing anything quite as profound as yeah, he has with that agreed. work. So uh, that's why I put that there. Um, curse, I'm going to curse um, Pieces of a Woman, which nobody has seen, but <laughs> it was, I guess, a Kirby movie. And it was just, it was an attempt to be um, pretentious about death or like talk, say something deep about death without actually having anything to say. And it's like, if we just have people's sad faces for a while, uh, talk about this and how in pain they are that'll be meaningful but mm. it, it's not and I think that I think that we do shows our society that again we don't have stories to make us make sense of death and so we we are just kind of we're almost like you know we're, we're trying to wear the wear the skin of of earlier days of, of that have meaning to make of it and just say oh if, if people are serious and sad about it and that's meaningful and it's um, overtly symbolic and that's meaningful but we don't have actually have anything to say about it mm. so i think that's um it was a it was a, it was a bad movie so i'm gonna curse that uh now go uh, nathan. Seen it. yeah <laughs> nathan okay well i got a list of blesses i'm only like i said only cursing one thing all right let me pull them up here in the old iphone okay so i'm gonna bless to start out with something that has that is 
vehemently not Christian, mm -hmm. just because I want to show that I'm not biased. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's one of my very favorite shows, but it's called Bojack Horseman, obviously. That's mm -hmm. the show. But there's a particular episode, um, Nathan... Uh, now is the time to plug your ears because our producer Nathan is watching the show and I don't want to give any spoilers. Not listening. Not listening. But uh, <laughs> this really won't give too many spoilers, but it, there's an episode that takes place at a funeral. Mm. And the entire episode is just the speech of Bojack, the main character, giving a funeral. Wow. Uh, 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 and you would think that sounds boring. You would think that, and it's it's amazingly interesting, entertaining, beautiful heartbreaking but what i appreciate about it so much is that so often in the shows of today especially the ones that don't hold to a eternal view um, of life it they try to brush it off to mm -hmm. pretend it's not that big a deal i love rick and morty but rick and morty does this and hey, don't worry about it it's fine and eh, whatever and it doesn't take death and our fear and the reality of it seriously and bojack the show the writers i can tell you are not christians and they are, but they struggle the whole way through. Mm. They try to deal with the concept of death the entire show. And they're okay coming to the conclusion that they don't know, rather than saying, oh, it doesn't matter. Just kind of brushing mm. it off and sweeping it under the rug. They actually get the gravity of what death means. So I have to bless this Bojack episode. Absolutely. Um, it, it's a, I can't remember the fourth or fifth season, but it's Bojack at a funeral. So definitely check it out. Um, I'm also going to bless. Um, a song. I haven't done this in a long time. If I have, nice. Um, You're doing all sorts of fun things. You blessed a recipe. Yeah, I know. I'm really getting creative. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was a song by. It, this is totally like basic to like this. Um, per, it's like every millennial loves this this artist, but there's a reason. Uh, this artist is struggling with the concept of death again. Not a not a Christian. Not a person who who thinks in. The concept of eternity or believes in the concept of eternity but her name is phoebe bridgers and a, a through line through all of her music is struggling with the idea of death and, there, and there's this beautiful song where you know she talks about hating evangelicals and mm -hmm. and how they're stupid and how um you know she she crossed you know a street one time and saw them holding a bunch of signs and yelling and boy how much she hates them and then the very next line is but I would go over there and stand with them with a picket sign if it means I could see you, the person she's speaking oh, to, wow. who died again. If I could see you again, if I could believe in eternity, I would join their club immediately. I hate them, and I join them immediately. Wow! And so that is such an honest revelation, uh, or, or uh, yeah, revelation of her inner world of how much she desires eternity mm. because she wants to spend it with someone she loves, and how much she'd give up her hates her political, her, her social group, her anything group, she'd give it all up if she could be eternal wow. to be, spend time with this person. So um, that song is called, that's not even the song I'm blessing, but wow. <laughs> I had to preface that this is something through her work, but that, that song is called The Chinese Satellite. Check it out. It's amazing. The song I'm going to bless is called The Funeral by her. And um, it's a song where she's retelling kind of this very folky acoustic guitar way, uh, a time when she went back to her hometown and played a song at a funeral of one of her friends mm. and that she spoke to the dad and um, and that how death was important and something to be paid attention to. Mm. And it put her life into perspective. She talks about feeling sorry for herself. And then all of a sudden she realized that someone's child is dead and that she's here, wow. you know, drunk or have boy problems, whatever. And that she's gonna wake up tomorrow and sing a song at a funeral. 
and for someone who has died. And so she, again, she grasps the depths and the weight of death. And I think that's beautiful when someone does that because it shows their desire, it shows their longing for eternity, which Joseph and I have said is evidence of eternity. Um, but the, you know, the chorus is beautiful because it starts out and you think she, she's swearing. You think she's, uh, she's trying to say a swear, you know, uh, kind of brush it off. And it starts out with Jesus Christ. And it sounds like she's just swearing and all of a sudden wow. you realize it's a prayer to someone she wished existed. And it's absolutely a heartbreakingly beautiful song that I think captures this idea of fear of death and longing for eternity so, so beautifully. One of my very favorite songs, I got to say. Might be basic, but I'm a Phoebe stan. Um, That's a good way to be basic. You're, yeah. If you can be basic and profound, you can be basic. Yeah, and she's one of those people who makes me angry because she's about my age, maybe a little younger. And <laughs> she was like writing for 10 years and I listened to the song that she wrote when she was like 19. I'm like, a 19 year old should not be this wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, there's a problem there somewhere. Yeah, yeah that's not allowed. Um, also just a... I, I don't want to say a, a more fun or lighthearted movie about death, but I'm going to bless, I've blessed it before. This movie just hit me when I saw it and it, the critics didn't like it. No one really knows about it, but it has Cole Sprouse and an actress I really like, but oh, it's yeah. about two kids with um, severe illness mm. and it's called five feet apart. And it, it's about two teenagers dealing with and looking in the face of death and trying to find purpose and meaning there on their last days. Wow. And I can now I'm saying it. I realize why it wasn't popular with teens yeah. or anybody. Uh, but it's, it sounds beautiful. like a real, real crowd pleaser. Yeah. Well, it, it was a Nathan pleaser, which yeah. is <laughs> which is more important, you know. Yes, I think so. Hollywood should start making movies for me. Um, but Five Feet Apart is beautiful. The soundtrack is gorgeous. The acting is really good, especially from the lead actress. Um, just really a beautiful film that again handles death seriously. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to bless the C.S. Lewis book, but Joseph stole it. So yes. uh, he gets that one. I'm going to curse someone mm. I like, and it's a show I even kind of like. And I, It's not my favorite show, but I, I enjoyed it. But I have a problem with it. Mm. The show is called Afterlife. Ah, and yes. it's made by famed comedian and staunch atheist, Ricky Gervais, <laughs> who I really enjoy. I yep. think he is hilarious. Same. Um, I think he's very smart, intelligent, but I think he has big old blind spots mm. and he advertises those blind spots in the show. The show is essentially about an atheist grappling with the concept of death. You know, it, it yeah. fridges his wife immediately. It's about a man who is in the, in the wake of his wife dying, struggling with uh, the will to live. You know, there's yeah. attempted suicide and, you know, there's a lot of comedy elements because Ricky Gervais. Um, the thing I... I have a problem with is the thing I have a problem with Rick and Morty is all this stuff is it offers very unsatisfactory answers and smugly thinks it's accomplished something very mm, big. Yeah. And so it's dealing with this big, heavy concept of death and dying, losing someone you love and struggling with there's, you know, I, I mean, the atheist worldview there, there is no more. She, this woman I loved is gone forever. She ceased to exist, but you know, I, but someone told joke at work and I can laugh and that makes everything okay. That's yeah. not satisfactory. That doesn't cut it when it comes to addressing the fears that every human will have around the concept of death. And I know he was trying as an atheist to, to reconcile yeah. uh, the, the, the deep need for eternity and the deep fear of death. But man, it just, it, it's so, I can't imagine watching this and being comforted if I wasn't a Christian. It's so, the answers to the problem he has at the beginning of the series are so inane 
and so shallow and vapid. I don't know why anyone would be comforted by uh, this totally unsatisfactory answer. And the show thinks it's thinks it's done it. That's that's I think that's a really good way to put it. It was always difficult for me to put my finger on what was wrong with the show. And it is, it's that combination of trite answers that it won't acknowledge as trite. And it's proud of them as if they're like the deepest thing that anyone's right. ever just like, You know what? We should just do good for other people. It's smell like, a flower. Smell a flower. It's like, okay. Smell the flower. I'm still depressed. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah. It, it, and it's smug about it. It is smug about it. It thinks it's come up with something really profound when it hasn't. And it is interesting that you see, again, you look at the shows like Rick and Morty and like this, that it, it does it does create its own kind of denial because you have to deny the facts that you're avoiding the profound um, in in order to make your yeah. peace with it. Well, and I appreciate actually Stephen Colbert when he interviewed him on his show actually pushed back and talked. Yeah. And it's a good discussion. It's a little too polite for my taste. I want to <laughs> see a little more fighting. I want to see Stephen really go in. Stephen Colbert is a, is a believer, but uh, you should check out. The need interview. to see some blood. Yeah, I want some yeah. blood on late yeah. nights. That's what will get viewers back to late nights. Exactly. So, so those are my blessings and curses. Cool. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much. Um, for joining us. If uh, you, people want to get in touch with you, Nathan, or uh, see any of your stuff, where can they go? Well, uh, first, I'm going to do another plug for my new movie called Don't Know Jack. This is a little film. It's rough. It's not perfect, but it's written about all the stuff we talk here, and especially the stuff we talked today about mortality and meaning and purpose and loss and hope and desire and eternity. And it's something that's a passion project. It is not going to be seen by a million people, but I'm hoping it'll be seen by you. It's on Tubi. It's, it's going to be on Amazon, going to be on YouTube. I'm going to put it up for everyone to see. This is not one I'm making a million dollars off of. This one I'm just passionate to have out there because it talks about things I care about. And hopefully, unlike Afterlife, I hope to spark some deeper thoughts and, and not be smug uh, in, my, in my realizations. I hope that it will bring you some comfort, at least some deeper thought and um, an exploration of these themes mm. of death and meaning and purpose and loss and hope and love uh, and faith. So check it out, it's called Don't Know Jack. Uh, you can also get in touch with me at nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. You can get in touch with me on any of the socials as well. Also, of course, the Overthinking Journal and um, josephholmestudios.com. Well, thank you again so much, everyone, for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm-hmm.